Amen. Please remain standing for the reading of God's Word. You can find it on your pew Bible on page 857. We will look in Luke chapter 2 this morning. Hear now God's holy Word. And in the same region there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord, and this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen, as it had been told them. And at the end of eight days, when, she, when he was circumcised, he was called Jesus, the name given by the angel before he was conceived in the womb. The grass withers and the flowers fade, but the word of our God shall stand forever and ever. Let's pray together. O Lord, we would ask this day, speak for your servants are listening. And we pray in Jesus' name and for his glory. Amen. You may be seated. A couple of years ago, maybe a year and a half ago, I won't give out the specific child's name, but one of our children was reported to me by one of their teachers. They were watching a, a video, some kind of, I think it was a counting video in class, and she wanted to let me know what my child did. Uh, you normally don't think that as a positive thing, and so what she told me was she turned on this video, it had some music, and this particular child of ours, she said, what are you doing? And his response was, I'm sorry, my body tells me I have to move. He was dancing to the music. Now, I'm not a dancer, nor a singer. But there is something unique about song, isn't there? That it, it plays with our hearts, it, it plays with our emotions. And good music, it doesn't just have to be the sound of the music, but even the words of the music have an effect upon us. And should it not surprise us then that Scripture is filled with songs. It's not meant to just be played, but we are meant to understand its content, and it in fact should have an effect upon us. If you've been following along with us so far in the Gospel of Luke, we are now at his third Christmas carol. Mary, the Magnificat, she is already saying, the Benedictus by Zechariah, and now here we get another song from angels. And so I want us to look at this song this morning. It is a very popular passage, but often one that we bypass quite quickly. We look for the couple of words or perhaps the one verse that we are most familiar with. 
But interestingly enough, I think Luke is trying to paint a, a large picture. He's trying to give us a, a landscape, as you might say, from heaven. What is the sight and what is the understanding of heaven as they would look down upon this one particular event? So I want to look at it in three points. That is, while shepherds watch their flocks by night, what child is this? And then finally, come, let us adore him. First, if you look in verse 8, while shepherds watch their flocks by night, it, it begins in this remarkable way. Luke starts out with saying, in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field keeping watch over their flock by night. And it's so easy of a detail to miss and keep going and act as though it's not very important. And yet I would say to you, it is extremely significant for you and for me. Because this is the story of the birth of Jesus. And you would think that if this is his story about his birth, you would see his name repeated more and more and more. And yet when you read this passage, you don't ever find his name. You find a reference to titles of him and perhaps the word child, but his name is not here. And so what is Luke trying to say when he begins this passage? Well, he shows to an unexpected group people you perhaps would not have guessed on the short list of his birth. You know, we are accustomed to great coverage, media coverage at royal weddings, and great coverage from all kinds of media outlets when royal births happen. And yet, yes, I understand CNN wasn't around, but there's no CNN here. There's no Fox News there's no BBC. Nobody is here reporting on what is taking place. Life just continued. They went on as usual. Even though we might say the world has just been changed. The world has not changed its lifestyle. Now, some of you, depending on your age you can remember significant historical events, can't you? Some of you, depending on your age, you might think of the, well, the JFK assassination. Some of you who are mildly younger, you might think of 9-11. And you can remember when that happened, can't you? It, it's stained in your memory. You remember who you were with. You remember what you were wearing. You remember exactly what you were talking about and who you were discussing it with. And you can say to this day, I remember when. And yet, do you understand when the Lord entered into humanity, such a small population of people would ever dare say again, I remember when. Nobody seems to care. This world-changing event, and yet there seems to be no clear public announcement. No kings are being notified. No governors are being told. Doctors aren't around. Lawyers aren't there. Educators aren't. Nobody of status is here. It's simply shepherds. Now, 
I think we live in a world that is tended to romanticize and glamorize what a shepherd looks like. Maybe you see him in the nativity scene and they look wonderful there. Or perhaps, don't tell me if you did this, but maybe you sent a Christmas card with a pretty little shepherd on there. And you have this picture of what shepherds were really like. But that's just not the truth of the matter. When you rewind and you go back to this time period, no parent was going, I hope my child grows up to be a shepherd. And no child was saying, I can't wait to be one. And it's still like that. You know, our church supports a missionary in Kenya, Jackson and Hannah Taylor. And he was telling me on one occasion, there's a family, they're, they're working with an unreached people group. They've never heard the name of Jesus. And the way that they decide these family things, if you have multiple children, well, very few of them get to go to school. Some of them, upon their very birth, you might say are sentenced to being a shepherd. It's the lowest of low. Nobody cares about shepherds. Even in this time, you know, they weren't even allowed to testify in court. They were considered liars. They were considered thieves. They were a, an unreliable and undesirable, and they worked with filthy animals. They were unclean. And so when you rolled out the Bethlehem Presbyterian Church roll, you didn't find shepherds on there. They weren't allowed to be in worship. They were entirely outcasts in society. You could probably put them on the same level as tax collectors. And here, the angel appears to shepherds. Now, I'm not saying that these shepherds all had those characteristics, but that is the characteristic of how people understood shepherds. And so why would the angel announce it to them? Do you see the message? It was God saying, my son is for sinners. That's what people thought of when they thought of shepherds. Shepherds, they're sinners. And it's such an easy detail, isn't it, that we can skip over because we want to focus on one verse or another. But these people were entirely unrighteous. They were never allowed to be a part of worship. They were always left outside. And that's where the announcement of Christ's birth would be made. Sometimes I think we can miss that detail because we know not to say this out loud. We would know not to say, I am a good person. But perhaps sometimes when we're honest with ourselves, we think certain truths have been made aware to me because I'm a good person, because I've made it this far in life, or because I live here, or I work there. I have access to these things. I'm somewhat of a good person. Shepherds didn't think that about themselves. They understood that they were utterly needy. And you know that the gospel of grace is for the needy. That's the truth of the gospel. If you're new this morning, I have good news for you. When we think about our church, I want to tell you, we have no good people here. So if you came in thinking they're warm and inviting, it's true, they're still not good. I promise. Every one of them has had to confess out loud 
I am not a good person. That's part of our membership vows. Here is the vow that we ask. Do you acknowledge yourself to be a sinner in the sight of God, justly deserving his displeasure and without hope except in his sovereign mercy? You can't be a member of this church and say, I am good. You're not good. I'm not good. And that's the beauty of it. Because that's where the gospel comes to. Those who are saying, I am not good, and I am outside. I am in great need. You have to admit to that. I'm not a good person. And not only do you have to confess that you're not a good person, you have to say, I've rebelled against God, and I deserve his wrath. That is how we enter into his kingdom. Because the gospel isn't for good people. It's not for people who have made much of themselves. It's for needy people. It's for sinners. And so we look at these shepherds and you don't know any one of their names. All you know is that they're sinners. And the gospel comes to them. What a wonderful truth. A wonderful truth. One that no doubt would have surprised them. You you recognize that at this announcement, it wasn't like a surprise party that they weren't preparing for, that they came in and, and people yay, surprise, yell surprise and they get excited. No, no, follow what Luke is saying. They were terrified. They were afraid. Many of you who are parents, you know something like this. When a child comes in in the middle of the night and wakes you up, it's not as though you are your best self at that moment. I'm not. If you shine a light in my face or you wake me up in the middle of the night, I've never said, i so delighted to see you. Thank you. And so you can imagine these shepherds in the middle of the night aren't going, yay! It would have scared them. The stadium lights of heaven turn on. And what would their experience have been? Perhaps an Isaiah one. The glory of God being shown and they are now exposed for exactly who they are. Outsiders alone in the field late in the middle of the night with filthy animals. This is who they are. And this is where the gospel came. And so the angel has to tell them, it's okay. Don't be afraid. I've got good news. It's of great joy. Let me reassure you, this is a good thing. You want to hear this. And don't you love what Luke is saying here? It's It's not when you're like at the beach and you see that airplane drive by and go, eat here at dinner. It's not some simple headline that the angel is saying. You understand what Luke is saying. It's not a simple headline. It's a specific gift. Boys and girls, did you open just your gifts this morning? Or did you happen to open someone else's with their name on it? Do you see what Luke is saying? Unto you is born this day. The tag read, shepherds from God. This is for you. If you are a sinner, do you hear the Lord speaking? This is for you. This is for you, my son. And so the angel says, do not fear now you recognize what an incredible announcement that is. 
Because the angel that night can say, do not fear, but there will be an announcement that comes. And it will not say, do not fear. It will, in fact, say, fear. This was not an announcement of war. This was not an announcement of might and of, of power. It was, it was one of peace. That's what they said. Here's peace. Do you see the gospel here? For sinners. It's for you. And I've come to bring you peace. I've come to bring you life and light. Secondly, what child is this? You can see it in verses 11 to 14. This song that is before us, it, it tells us of this baby, of this child. This announcement that the shepherds receive, how are they going to validate this claim? It, you know, when someone goes, there's a baby born today, you need a little bit more information. We don't know if there were more than one baby born that particular day. And so, how are we to know about this specific child? And so, well, the angel has to tell him. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. Go check this city. This city of David. You, you remember it. It was prophesied in Micah. David would have rung a bell for them. Luke has used his name six times already to let them know this particular child, it's the long-awaited fulfillment of promise. I've been telling you, the son of David is coming. The son of David is coming, and he's here. Go find him. Go see him. He's the promised one. I have promised David, my servant. Second Samuel 7, you will have one on the throne. He's here. Go see him. He's wrapped in swallowing cloths, and he's lying in a manger. And who is this child in the city of David? Well, he's a savior. That's what Luke says. That's what the angels are telling him. He's a rescuer. He's a deliverer. He delivers those who are in darkness, those who are in destruction, those who are, well, who are dead. He delivers. He brings back to life. And the angel's not giving them some cryptic coded language. The angel is saying quite clearly, this child is the savior. Do you hear what he's saying? You need a savior. Now, I'm sure the angels did, or the shepherds didn't have a full understanding of all that that meant. What all do they need saving from? But you could see it's clear Whatever you think that you need saving from, it's this child. He's the Savior. Go to him. He saves. He's not just a Savior. He's the Christ, that Greek word for Messiah. He's the anointed one, that one who's been promised. He's here. The anointed ones, those kings and priests that have been marked out so you know who they are. This one has been set apart he has a particular purpose of God. He's the final one. He's the, he's the Messiah of all Messiahs. The Savior of all Saviors. And he's saying, he's my son. I've sent him to you. I'm giving him to you. And I'm giving him for you. He's the Christ. And he's the Lord. 
I don't think it's by mistake if you're reading Luke's gospel. Did you know you could count it up even this morning? If you include chapter two, Luke will use the word Lord 20 times in two chapters, 20 times. And did you know every single one of them, he is using that term to describe or identify God. And he's doing that here with this child. God has come down to you. He is the Lord. He has married both Christ and Lord together. He is your Savior and yet He is your ruler. He is the supreme one that you have been long awaiting for. It is God in human flesh. Here He is. He's born this day. Go and see Him. And you will find Him in a manger. That's not like first century language for like a cute crib. He's not saying go look for the cute decorated crib. It's the trough. That's how you know it's him. All babies would have been swaddled. But the swaddle would have looked a little different. See, travelers would have only used the cloths that they had, that they traveled with. You could imagine the dirtiness of it, perhaps the tears, the stains. Here's God in human flesh swaddled like that. And then he's put in a trough where animals would eat. He's outside. If you've been outside the last few days, it's been cold. I'm not suggesting it was cold in Bethlehem. I actually don't know, but I would assume not. But he's outside, wrapped in these dirty clothes. It's not what you would expect, would you? When we confess, we ask the question, what is God? Infinite, eternal, unchangeable in his being, wisdom, power, holiness, justice, goodness, and truth. What is God? He's the majestic one. And he's in a manger. The creator of all. A dependent little crying baby. There's your king. He's the one you need. But do you believe that? Do you believe that that child is the one that you need? It's hard to imagine that God would send his son from on high to the lowest of low. Unless you understand your need. You know, Dr. Davis, he comments on that question. Do you understand your need? If you evaluate your need as money, you need an economist. If you need power, then you need a CEO. If you need intellect, you, you need a teacher, an educator, perhaps a philosopher. If you need status, you, you need a celebrity. If that's how you evaluate your need, Jesus isn't it. He's not going to meet that need for you. But he will meet your need of sin. And we know that's actually your greatest need. All those other things fade and fall. But this child meets all of your great needs before our glorious God in heaven. So go and see him. 
Go and see this child. And these shepherds, these sinners seem to understand that. They get this announcement of what this child is and, and they leave. They go in haste. And finally, we see, come let us adore him. We see that this song has several different responses, doesn't it? We get a response of the angels. And I don't want to make light of that. Do you, do you see how that announcement came? It, it starts with an angel. It doesn't tell us which angel. I don't know if it was Gabriel, the, the one who's already showed up with Mary or with Zechariah. Perhaps it was him. He's already kind of told some people, hey, this is what's about to happen. And you can imagine the heavenly huddle there going, it's time for my son. And perhaps Gabriel is swinging his angelic arm saying, pick me, let me go. I want to tell the people, please. And whether it was him or not, it doesn't matter because it seems to be a real fight for who goes second. Because almost immediately after that announcement comes, what do we see? We see the heavenly army now functioning as the heavenly choir. They're right there singing praises upon praises upon praises. And don't you marvel at what they're saying? They're praising God for something they don't need. They don't need forgiveness. And yet they're praising God for it. They're praising him over a truth that they only intellectually understand. No angel has ever experienced the redeeming love of God. No angel is the object of God's redeeming love. Jesus didn't die for a single angel. And you wouldn't know it by how they're singing, would you? Notice how passionate they are. We get the worship guides, you might say, of heaven teaching us, mankind, let me show you how to praise your Father in heaven. Remember, I've already told you this is the third carol, but, but this one is different, you see. This one didn't come from earth. It came down from heaven to earth. We are witnessing a, a song of the great glory of Jesus. But Jesus has had this glory for all eternity. This is not a new song to him. This is not new information. Perhaps the only lyric that has changed is this day. Everything else in this song he's heard from all eternity. But what is new is this is not contained any longer in heaven. Heaven has been ripped apart and it is now being introduced to mankind. You could imagine he's saying it's time for the, the angelic choir to go on tour. It's not a new song, angels. It's just a new venue. You're going to go sing to mankind and you're going to see the effects of the gospel. That it makes new creations because God redeems sinners. It's incredible. And yet some of you are just saying in your own minds, but yeah, that's the full-time job of angels. And I think that that is a sad response. Because you know what the Bible never says? 
It never records an angel going, you know, God, could I try a different role today? I'm a little bit tapped out of singing. I would like to try something different. You never find in the scriptures angels just going through the motions like you and I are tempted to do. When the angels said, glory to God in the highest, do you know what they meant? Glory to God in the highest. It's not some memorized lyric with no thought. They meant every word of it to its sincere and complete thought. We ought to be challenged by these angels. There should never be an angel that outdoes you and I in praise to God. You and I who have received salvation, we ought to be thrilled even this day to sing because we have much to sing about. Something they only long to look into. And then you have the shepherds, the angels who have been singing. The the shepherds seem to understand something of this. If you were with us last night, you you heard about Caesar Augustus. You, You got this historical marker And there was something about that time period, the the Pax Romana, in which Rome was experiencing some period of peace. But that was just masked. I think Luke is trying to say something here. He's showing up Caesar Augustus. Because the people of Rome understood peace only in terms of Roman peace. Peace, well, I have peace if I agree with Caesar. But if I'm an enemy of Caesar, there is no peace. And the peace that Caesar brings brought much oppression much destruction to many others. And yet here we're getting peace to all, all who would come to him. The shepherds seem to gather that information and they do two things. How do they respond? First, they tell others. They tell others immediately. And you know they're not theologians. But I do want you to hear the difference. They're not teaching others, they're telling others. Are you telling others this great gift that you have received in Jesus? Some are called to be teachers. Everyone's called to be a teller. We can all tell of the great work of Christ. And then secondly, we see the angels imitate, or the shepherds imitate the angels. They begin singing praise. The gospel that was brought into their life, faith in Christ, it It produces witness and worship. And that's what we see with the shepherds. Augustine and John Owen have a similar quote talking about the scriptures themselves, but what they say is, there are shallows and there are deeps. Shallows where the lamb may wade and deeps where the elephant may swim. What are they talking about? They're they're saying it's simple enough for children to understand They know how exciting this story is. They can understand who this child is. And yet it's so deep that no theologian will ever find its bottom. It's profound. That is the word of God. I hope it finds its way into your life more and more. And if you're wondering how you do it, just look at Mary. She ponders them and she treasures them up. She takes the truths and thinks on them. What a song from heaven. What a song from heaven. This Christmas, what's the gospel doing in your life? 
What are you learning about who God is? Who are you telling? And has it led you to worship him fully and faithfully? That's why you can say Merry Christmas. Because you understand that you're a sinner and you're now prepared to respond to the gospel. And it will produce such worship when you recognize that Jesus was born for you and for me. We're gonna conclude with a song here in just a moment. I pray that you would see the landscape from heaven, but that you might sing to challenge the angels. And it would carry you this day and all your days into glory. Let's pray together. Our God and our Father, we thank you that not only are you not silent, that you have spoken, you have also created us as singers, that when words just simply spoken aren't enough, you give us song, and we can sing, and we can praise you, and it would teach us as who you are, and we have much to praise you this day, that you would send forth your Son, not to the royal palace, but to the slums, to shepherds, to sinners, because we're not good people. We're needy people, and then we are in great need of you and your grace. And so might it find its home within our hearts, and even this day, might we challenge the angelic choir in our singing, that it would confirm our understanding of the gospel, and it would lead us to glory. We pray in Jesus' name, amen.